You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles if you have them ready and turn to the book of John. We're going to be in John chapter 6 this morning. John chapter 6. Uh, if you uh, are unfamiliar with the Bible, it's found in the New Testament. It's the fourth book of the New Testament. Uh, about the uh, three quarters of the way through your Bible, you should have a big division there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John is the fourth book in the New Testament this morning. John chapter 6 is where we're going to be at. Familiar passage of scripture, maybe for some, even if you don't know a lot about the Bible or you don't know a lot of Bible stories, this might be one that might be fairly common to you. Uh, we find Jesus uh, feeding 5,000 people at one time uh, with just a small uh, lunch uh, that, he, that had been provided and had been given. And there's a lot of great truths. We could probably spend a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of months maybe even in this passage of scripture, just pulling out all the truths that we find here. Uh, but we're not gonna stay here long today. Uh, brief message, but I wanted you to take a look at with us today. Very important. John chapter six, uh, we're gonna start in verse number one. After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on those that were diseased. Now, verse number two tells us this, that Jesus had a lot of followers at this time, but it was only because they saw the miracles that he was doing. Uh, it was kind of like a traveling magic show, I guess, if you will. People were super excited uh, because Jesus was doing good stuff for people. They saw a lot of miracles that were happening. He had a large gathering uh, because they liked what they saw. Verse number three, and Jesus went up to a mountain and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was nigh. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him. And he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. So uh, Jesus, as, as a good leader does, tries to develop the leaders underneath him. And he asked Philip, he says, Philip, there's a lot of people coming over here. How are we going to feed all these people? Now, Jesus didn't ask Philip because he didn't know what to do. Uh, Jesus always knows what to do. He always knows what's best. Uh, but in this case here, he asked Philip and, and tested Philip. And Philip answered him, verse 7, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. He said, hey, if we pass the bread around and everybody just took a little, a small handful, there's not enough for everybody here. Verse number eight, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, there's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? So we have 5,000 people and uh, a couple of uh, fish and five loaves of bread. And Jesus said, make the men sit down. And there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. And they that were sat down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. So everybody sat down and ate as much as they could until they were full. Verse number 12. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them about, and filled about 12 baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above them that had eaten. Then those men which they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, this is said, this is a truth of a prophet that should come into the world. <laughs> the title of today's message is What Do We Do With Jesus? My son Thatcher was uh, in uh, kindergarten uh, and the school that he was going to at the time had a, a school fundraiser that they called the Santa Secret Shop. Basically what they did is they bought a bunch of junk and sold it to elementary school kids, right? To buy for their parents as 
Christmas presents, right? And so uh, the idea was you're supposed to give your kid X amount of dollars to go to school and buy junk uh, for you for Christmas. Now, the idea of giving someone money to buy you a gift is, uh, is a little bit strange in itself. Uh, and so we send batteries in kindergarten to school to buy Christmas presents for us as parents. So we, I forget what we gave him. It was a small amount. It was $10 to buy two gifts or something like that. And let me just tell you, we got what we paid for out of that for sure. And so uh, Christmas morning came, and we were, we were excited for Thatcher because, you know, he's five, and we got him uh, these Lego sets that we had found and stuff like that. We were so excited, and, and he was incredulous. So he said, you will not. Uh, I'm not going to open anything until you open your presents first. And so, well, well, Thatcher, we want you to open yours because it's Christmas. No, absolutely not. You have to open what, we've got, what I've got for you at this Santa Secret Shop. It's so special to me. Okay, great. And so Angela opens up hers. I forget what it was. It was pretty goofy. Uh, but I opened up mine, and he, the kid's just grinning from ear to ear the whole time I'm tearing the wrapping paper off of it. I tear the wrapping paper off of it, and I open it up, and it is a necklace with a spread American bald eagle on the charm of it. And I go, and he goes, do you like it? And I go, I do like it. This is amazing. Like, when you think of your dad, you just automatically think of a bald eagle, right? Like just <laughs> something like that just warmed my heart. And I thought, this is amazing. And I said, thank you, Thatcher. This, this is one of the best gifts that you've ever bought me in my entire life. He goes, I know, I know. I sat there for so long and I said, this is perfect. This is perfect. And he goes, and then he says, put it on. <laughs> okay, I'm going to put it on, yeah. And you know, stuff that you buy from Oriental Trading Company doesn't necessarily have the highest quality and stuff. If you don't know what Oriental Trading Company is, you need to look it up. It'll blow your mind, right? It's, it's where everybody buys their junk from, I think. Uh, but, and so I put on this necklace. It's almost choking me, right? Because it's the, the, the chain is so short. And it's like, it's so short that the charm itself is sticking straight forward. You know what I'm talking about? And he is just sitting there grinning from ear to ear and goes, Dad, that looks awesome. <laughs> Thank you, son. If I swallow, the chain will break, right? <laughs> but he was just so, so proud of himself, right? And I had to sit the rest of the Christmas morning with that stupid necklace on. <laughs> and then it comes time, you know, he, we were cleaning up everything, and I told him, I've got to take this thing off. And I take it off, and I said, what do you do with this thing? And she says, you can't throw it away. We have, you can't throw it away. He's going to ask you about it. It's like, well, I can't wear this in public. It's, it's embarrassing. You know, it's embarrassing to wear in my own home, much less out in public. And she says, well, I don't know what to do with it. I thought, I don't either. Maybe we'll just hope that he forgets about it one day. Then we can throw it away and hope that he forgets and never have to put it on ever again. Good news, I never wore that necklace ever again, and I was better because of it, because I probably would have turned my neck green or something, right? But it was, uh, he was so excited for this. Here's a parallel truth. God was so excited to send his son Jesus into this world, and some people got Jesus, and they're like, what do we do with this? It was good for a purpose. We, we used it for what we needed it for, but what do we do with it now? So the question we have today for you is, what do you do with Jesus? In this passage, John chapter 6, it's a very lengthy passage of Scripture, close to 70 verses here, uh, I think. Uh, and throughout this passage of Scripture, we see Jesus come in contact really with dozens of people. And just about every group of people that he comes in contact with have a different use for Jesus. Some people have a little use in this way. Other people have a use in this way. Other people have no use for him whatsoever. But you must decide for yourself today, what are you going to do with Jesus? 
Last week, we took a look at who is Jesus to you. Jesus asked his apostles, who do people say that I am? Some people said Jeremiah, some people said Elijah, uh, but he says, no, 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 who do you say that I am? The most important question you'll ever ask uh, yourself is who is Jesus to you? And once you find out who Jesus is, what do you do with Jesus? We see in this case here, Jesus feeds 5,000 people with just a small amount of food. Uh, This was a miracle that Jesus performed. Uh, Today, uh, some folks say that they perform miracles. They say that they uh, hit somebody on the head and they fall over and they're healed of cancer. They say that they uh, hit somebody and they no longer have uh, kidney stones or whatever it is like that. Those are not miracles. Uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say 100% of the nonsense that you see on TV that's so-called miraculous is not a miracle at all. It's all fake. And you say, well, these people say that they're Christians. Jesus says a lot of people are gonna come and say they're Christians, but they're not really. The litmus test for that is, do they adhere to the Bible? Is this in line with scripture? If it is, it's it's 100% good. If it's not, it's 100% bad. In this case here, it would be similar to this. This morning, let's say, for example, after this, we're gonna have lunch. We're not gonna have lunch together, so don't get too excited. Um, Let's just say we order lunch today, and I order a large pepperoni pizza and a 20-ounce soda and we're all gonna split it. Now, the the guy that that signs for the pizza says, hey, Pastor, I don't know if you did a head count or not, but this is not enough to go around. And I say, oh, no, you don't understand. This is gonna be good. We're just gonna pass the pizza box until it runs out. And everybody's just gonna pour into their cup because we don't drink after each other here, okay? We're we're family, but we're not that close. everybody's gonna pour into their own cup from this 20 ounce drink and we're just gonna pass it around and everybody's gonna have enough. And we pass it around and by the time we get done, there's 12 extra pizza boxes full and about 18 two liters that are sitting on the back table and you say, what happened? That's a miracle. That's what Jesus did. He fed 5,000 people with a very small amount of food. This was one time that Jesus would do this. In Matthew and Mark, we find that Jesus fed 4,000 people after that in a separate event. So Jesus is feeding people almost by the the 10,000. And mind you, in this case here, they only counted the men. So there probably were women and children that were in this number as well. Jesus feeds 10,000 plus people with a small amount of food because he's Jesus. He's great. He's awesome. But what do we do with it after the meal's over? What do we do with Jesus after he's already fed, fed us lunch? What do we do with Jesus after he's already fulfilled the use that we have for him? What do we do with the men? That's a really important question that you and I have to answer for ourselves as we take a look at this passage of scripture this morning. We see that some people wanted to use Jesus for political gain, and some people will do that. You can use Jesus if you want to. Verse number 15, you still have your Bible open there this morning. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into the mountain himself alone. Now, during this time, the the Jews, which Jesus was, and his followers were Jews at this time, uh, they were under oppression. They were under slavery under the empire of Rome. And they really believed that Jesus was the one that would come and set them free from slavery. And so they said, hey, this dude that just fed everybody, this is our new king, right? Isn't that a a typical uh, response who can give us the most stuff and that person will be our leader, right? Uh, I, I have no appetite whatsoever for politics. I don't watch Fox News or CNN because it just makes me angry, right? But it seems like every politician wants to promise what they can give to you. And they found somebody that could feed people a really good meal out of nothing and they said, this guy is our king. We see that in this, even this current uh, political season that we're in right now, people trying to tout the fact that they go to church or to tout the fact that they know the Ten Commandments or tout the fact that one time they stood up for something uh, somewhere along the lines. And people try to use Jesus to further their own agenda. Let me just tell you this, Jesus isn't really interested in that. 
Jesus isn't interested in being uh, your Republican go-to guy, right? It grieves me when Christians, you know, post so much stuff on the internet about vote this way, vote that way, uh, vote all blue, vote all red, and things like that. Hey, how about this? How about we just vote in accordance with the Bible and let God work out all the details? Simple as that. I believe that Christians should vote their conscience in accordance to what the Bible says. I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I don't believe it's our job as Christians to advance politics. It's not what we're in it about. And let me just tell you this. Politics will always fail us. Politicians will always fail us. Jesus never fails. Ever. Like ever. Like not even once. Churches will fail. Pastors will fail. We are flawed people, but Jesus never will let you down. But Jesus doesn't want to be used for your political gain. He had no desire to be a king in this case here because he had a greater agenda. Next, we can also use Jesus to get what we want. If you flip over to verse number uh, 26, after Jesus had fed uh, these 5,000 people, Verse 26, a lot of people begin to follow Jesus around at that point. Verse number 25, when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they came unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou his? Or, hey, teacher, when did you get here? And Jesus answered and said, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat the loaves and were filled. And Jesus says, oh, is it lunchtime again? You're not really wanting to follow me. You're just waiting for the next meal. And many times people want to use Jesus for whatever they can get out of them. <laughs> My wife and some ladies uh, went out on uh, outreach yesterday to, to invite some folks to, our, to our, our services here today. And after it was over, my wife uh, said, hey, ladies, I'm going to take you guys to tea presso. My wife has recently, in the last week, gotten into tea. What does that mean that she's gotten into it in the last week? That means like three, four, five times a week she's drinking this tea uh, that she's found that she absolutely loves. And she says, ladies, I'm treating everybody to tea. So everybody loads out and everybody's up there ordering and stuff like that. And my wife realizes she forgot her wallet. <laughs> I'm treating anybody, but I'm not actually paying. And so one of the ladies says, oh, no, that's fine. I'll pay. So she went to get her wallet. And while she was going to get her wallet, the, another lady that was in the group paid. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the group of people that I want to be friends with, right? <laughs> like everybody who's fighting over wants to, to pay. You know, I want to be the guy that doesn't have any money and everybody else is fighting to pay, right? It's funny, sometimes guys, when, when guys go to lunch with other guys, we like fight over who's gonna pay the bill because it's kind of a, like a, a, a macho thing that guys do. And it's okay, guys, that you do that uh, because you, you should offer to pay the bill when you go. go. And so, uh, you know, sometimes guys, oh, I'll pay, I'll pay. I had a friend who, who would fight me vehemently every single time we went to lunch together. And uh, this one time I took him to lunch, I said, hey, man, I got lunch today. And he says, okay, I, I appreciate that. And I thought, man, that's really strange because every time we've ever eaten in the past, he will not give it up. Like I have to like sneak out of the table to get the bill to pay it behind his back. And I mean, it's just a crazy thing. And afterwards I told his wife, I said, I'm so thankful that Paul let me pay for lunch today. That was such a blessing. And she says, he forgot his wallet. <laughs> well, that explains why he didn't fight me over it. Uh, and so, but many times people want to use Jesus to get what they want out of him. Hey, I'm going through a bad spot and I really need some help. Maybe I can throw some prayers up and they would come my way and give me what I need. Hey, I got somebody that's in the hospital, maybe a family member that's in the hospital going through a rough spot. Maybe I'll throw some prayers up and see if it goes my way. Hey, I'm getting ready to go into a job interview that I don't really feel prepared for. Let me just throw up some prayers and see if that works out my way. Let me just tell you this here today. Jesus is not interested in giving you personal gain and being set to the side. It doesn't work that way. In this case here, Jesus says, you guys don't follow me because you really want to follow me or follow me because you want lunch. Next, we can use Jesus to get us out of a bad spot. 
can't tell you how many times I've heard people uh, come to church and ask God to do something big on their part, and when God comes through for them, they know where to be found. Oh, I found out I've got a bad news. I got a cancer diagnosis, and they come, and they want prayer, and after they get the all clear from the doctor, they know where to be found. Oh, their marriage is in shambles and it's falling apart, but once the, the husband decides to stay, then they're nowhere to be found. You see, I want Jesus to band-aid up all my problems, then I get to go on with my life and do what I want to. Jesus isn't interested in getting you out of a bad spot either. We see in verse number 26, these guys didn't want to follow Jesus because they wanted something. They wanted miracles, they wanted food, but they didn't really want to follow God. I don't know about you, but I've been in this spot before. Have you ever made a deal with God before? Like, God, if you come through in this spot, I promise, I promise from here on out, I'll never miss a church service for the rest of my life. You ever been there before? I've been there before, right? I promise I'll read my Bible every day. I promise I'll pray every day. I promise that I'll never, ever, ever do this ever again. If you could just get me through this one last time, right? God's not interested in making deals like that. Jesus wants people to follow him because they love him. Jesus wants people to follow him because they worship him. People want, Jesus wants people to follow him because they see how good he is and they truly want to be a follower of Jesus. That makes all the difference in the world. Next, we can do what most people do with Jesus and we can reject him. You can reject him altogether. You can use him for political gain. Uh, you can use him uh, to, to, get, to advance your purpose or your cause. You can use him to get you out of a bad spot or you can just flat out reject him altogether. We find in verses uh, 41 and 42 in this passage, Jesus tells them that he has the way to everlasting life. Uh, verse number 41, and the Jews murmured at him because he said, I'm the bread which come down from heaven. Verse 42, and they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is this that he saith that I come down from heaven? People are saying, wait, 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 wait. I know this kid Jesus, and I know his parents. Joseph and Mary are his parents. Who does this guy say that he's came down from heaven? I know him. I know the town he grew up in. He's a small town kid. He's not who he says that he is. And they rejected Jesus altogether. And let me just tell you, you are free to reject Jesus altogether. I'm good. I got my own thing going on. I got my own system that I got worked out. I don't need Jesus. You're, you're 100% free to do that. You're free to try to use Jesus to work a deal to go in your favor. You're free to try to use Jesus to get what you want out of life. But let me just tell you this, all of these are bad ideas. Every single one of them, bad, bad, bad. Don't do it. Because every single person in this passage that tried those things failed miserably. So what do we do with Jesus? First of all, this is the most important thing in the world. And if you're here at Huicala Baptist for the first time today, first of all, I love you and I'm so glad that you're here. But this is the most important thing you'll hear all day. This is the most important thing you'll hear all week. This is the most important thing you'll ever hear for the rest of your life. So listen up. We must trust in Jesus for eternal life. I'm gonna give you the nuts and bolts of it. You and I have sinned against God. Every single person in this room has broken God's law not once or twice, but just about every day because it's woven into the DNA of who we are. We're sinners. The Bible says we're sinners. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter six, verse number 23 says this, for the wages of sin is death. You've sinned against God and because of that, you will die one day. Everybody's gonna die. Every single one of us. Time on earth is limited. 
But after this, it's not just we take a dirt nap and it's all over with. It's not just you flip the lights off and, and we cease to exist. We are made up of a body, a soul, and a spirit, and our spirit will live somewhere for eternity. And that's the most important thing in the world. There's two places that you can go. Tell them I'll call them back. I'm, I'm super busy right now. Tell them I'll call them back. I'll, tell them I'll call them back. There we go. There's two places we can go when we die. There's heaven. And we think to ourselves, I think I'm probably going to heaven when I die. I've been a decent person. I've been good. I try to do the right thing. I don't try to cheat anybody. Uh, I've given the choice of right or wrong. Most of the time I'll choose right. So I'm probably going to heaven. And then the other place is hell, which we think is designed for really, really bad people. Uh, these are for the people who are really bad, right? That's not true. Hell is designed for bad people. I'll agree with you there. But here's the problem with that. We're all bad people. All of us. You say, well, I'm not that bad of a person. God gave us just 10 commandments in the book of Exodus. Every person in this room has broken all 10 of them. And you say, I think there's a thou shalt not kill. I've never killed anybody before, right? And if you did, you probably wouldn't admit to it in church at least. Uh, but here's the thing. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter five. He says, if anybody looks at his brother with hatred and calls him an ugly name, you've committed murder against him in your heart. So according to Jesus and his, his rules that he has, we've even committed murder. So we've broken just about every law that there is, not once or twice, but a lot. You see, our sin wasn't that thing we did one time in high school that we probably shouldn't have done. Our sin is something that is carried with us every single day of our lives. It's just who we are. And the Bible says because of our sin, we're gonna die, and after this, we're gonna stand before God, and we're gonna have to pay for what we've done. And the way that you pay for what you've done is you're separated from God in a place called hell for all of eternity. That's the worst news anybody could ever get. Because you've sinned, you're gonna die and you're gonna go to hell. That's every single one of us, okay? If we are left to ourselves, we will die and be eternally separated from God in hell because of our sin. That's what we've earned. But here's the good news. God doesn't want you to die and be separated from him. God doesn't want you to go to hell. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. So he had to make a way for you to get to heaven. Now, he can't just give a blanket pass to everybody because somebody's got to pay for the wrong that we've done. He can't just say, well, I'm just going to forget about what you've done. I'm going to turn a blind eye uh, to the way that you've been. No, no, no. Somebody has to pay. So God, because of his love for us, sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins. That's the whole reason Jesus came. Jesus came to give us good teachings. Jesus came to do good things for sure. But his whole purpose in coming was to die in our place. God says, somebody's gonna die for your sin. Jesus says, I'll die for their sin. You see, I can't die for your sin because I've got my own sin. You can't pay for my sin because you've got your own sin. Somebody has to be perfect and die. That was Jesus. He never sinned one time because he was God in the flesh. And he died for you. He died for me in our place when we were supposed to die. But, Here's the final super duper important step. He didn't just die and give blanket forgiveness to all mankind. You must choose to put your faith in Jesus. You gotta make a choice for yourself. I can't make it for you. I wish I, that I could. I wish I could just pray a prayer over everybody here today and everybody would be forgiven of their sins. I can't do that. You've gotta make a decision for yourself. Now, some of you are sitting here saying, I've already made that decision. For me, I was a nine-year-old boy when I put my faith in Jesus. I didn't know a lot about the Bible. I didn't have any gross, egregious sin uh, at that point. I wasn't, you know, uh, messing around with girls on the playground or anything like that at nine years old. I wasn't smoking crayons in the bathroom with my friends. 
no egregious sin at nine, but I realized I've messed up. I've broken God's law. I don't deserve to go to heaven. So as a nine-year-old boy, I prayed and asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins, and he did. And the Bible says at that moment I was born again or saved. And Jesus said in John chapter three, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. You must be saved to go to heaven. And being saved is not some big, huge religious experience. It's not seeing some light. It's not a class that you have to take. It's just a recognition of this. I am a sinner. I cannot make it to heaven on my own. I believe in Jesus that he died for my sins and I'm asking for his forgiveness. That's a faith in God, in Jesus, that will save you. So if you're here today and you're a sinner, I'll save you the trouble. You are. And there's never been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again. Today is your opportunity. I know that I'm a sinner. I don't believe I can make it to heaven on my own. I'm putting my faith in Jesus to save me today and asking for forgiveness. The Bible says if you do that, you'll be saved, you'll be born again. And let me just tell you this, that is the only way to heaven. There's no alternate path that you can take. There's no other route that we can go. Jesus is the only way. Jesus says in John chapter six, verse number 47, the passage we're in, verse 47, look at that. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me have, hath everlasting life. He's the only way. We must trust in him completely. If you take a look at verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man shall eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give him is my flesh, which I give for the life of the whole world. Jesus says, you can't just take a little bit of Jesus and move on your way. I want someone to completely trust me. And not only must we completely trust him, we must trust him exclusively. He doesn't wanna be one of the ways that you do things. He doesn't wanna be one of the options that you're keep, keeping open. Jesus in John chapter 14, a few uh, chapters after this, John chapter 14, verse number six, he says this, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus says, I'm the only way to heaven. No man comes to the Father but by me. So Jesus says he's the only way to heaven. You say, well, does that mean that, that you're saying everybody else is wrong? I'm not saying everybody else is wrong. Jesus said everybody else was wrong. Jesus says, if you're not trusting in him, you're not gonna make it. He that hath the son hath life, but he that hath not the son hath not life. Not life. And he's the only way for eternal life. Bottom line is you have to decide for yourself today. I've known people before who say, well, you know, I don't have to make a decision today by not choosing Jesus today, you've already chosen to reject him. Totally up to you. But you have to decide today, what do you do with Jesus? Is he gonna be your spiritual 911 that you just, if you're in a really bad spot, I'll call him up if I need to. Sometimes people treat Jesus like they're jumper cables in their car. I have them in my trunk. I think they work. I don't really know if they're even there. But if I ever need them in a really bad spot, I know that they're always there. Jesus doesn't wanna be your spiritual jumper, jumper cables. He wants to be your life. So the question is, will you reject Jesus? Take a look in this passage at uh, John chapter six, verse number 64. Jesus even said this about, now mind you, at this point, Jesus has thousands of people following him, thousands. And he says in verse 64, but there's some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. There's people that are sitting here this morning that don't believe and let me just tell you this. This is a place, safe place where you can learn about your faith and learn what you do believe. But if, if you're not convinced, I'm just gonna tell you to continue to search for truth because at the end of your days, you're gonna have to give an account. You're gonna stand before God one day, every single one of us, and you gotta be ready for that. 
And my whole goal in life is to help people be ready for the end of their life. What happens after this life? Do you have the hope of heaven? You can reject him because that's what these people did. Verse 65, and he said, therefore I say unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given to him by the Father. Verse 66 is so sad. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Oh, Jesus, come on, why are you gonna ruin this? You know, you healed my, my cousin who was sick. My neighbor had a blind kid, you healed him. We showed up one day to hear you talk and we didn't bring lunch and you fed everybody. Why are you gonna talk about this whole like eternal life thing and ruin everything? Because Jesus isn't about signs, miracles, and wonders. He's about your soul. He's all about eternity. Hey, you know what happened to those folks that ate of Jesus' bread that he gave them that day? They got hungry like three or four hours later. You and I do the same thing. We'll sit down, we'll have a nice meal, we'll have a big steak, we'll have a baked potato. You might even have some steamed asparagus if you're super healthy, go you, right? You might have all that on top of a kale salad. Why anybody wants to eat something that tastes like wet grass? I don't know. But guess what happens like two hours, three hours later, you're back in the pantry looking to see what there is, right? Why? Because we constantly need something to satisfy us. Jesus said this, This is super important. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. He that eats of me will never be hungry ever again. Wouldn't that be awesome, right? Have one meal and you'll never eat again. I like to eat too much. That probably wouldn't be a good thing for me, right? But Jesus says, I'm gonna give you something that will last not just for the next couple of hours, but it's gonna last the rest of your life and it's gonna last after this life. And it's super important. So you have to choose today. Do you reject Jesus? Because people did. But the most important thing I'd encourage you to do is will you follow Jesus? This might be new for you today. Maybe you had a friend invite you, you just showed up to get him off your back. This might be new for you, but I'm telling you, this is where the good stuff in life is found. What this life has to offer doesn't last. It has a very short shelf life. Things that are awesome today will not be awesome two years from now, three years from now. I remember when I was uh, in high school and you have everything figured out by 16 years old, right? Uh, I had uh, somehow convinced my parents to, to allow me to get a tattoo. Uh, and so I, at 16 years old, I went and I, I lied and gave, uh, uh, I told the guy that I left my ID in the car and I looked old for my age and I let my beard grow out a little bit and I was only 16 at the time. I lied about my age and I got my first tattoo. Let me just tell you, the things that are super awesome when you're 16 are not super awesome when you're like 41, Right? <laughs> Let me just tell you. And so now I'm, I'm, I'm the guy who has the really bad 90s tattoos, right? That's me. Uh, and so uh, bad decision, right? Because things have a short shelf life. Things that are great today won't be great 10 years from now. Hey, nobody wants the car that you drove eight years ago, right? Nobody here does. Now, some of us might want the car we drove 25, 30 years ago, right? Because now it's become a classic again, Right? But nobody wants the clothes that we wore four or five years ago, right? We've moved on from that. Why? Because what this life has to offer has a short shelf life. Jesus says this, I want to be the thing that you have that lasts forever. I want to be the thing that you have that sustains. I want to be the thing that's good yesterday, today, and forever. That's who Jesus is. And then he said, that's what I want to be for you. So I would encourage you today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, to begin today. It's the most important decision that you'll ever make in your entire life. Why should you follow Jesus? Because Jesus is the only source of lasting fulfillment in this life and the next. That's it, bottom line. This is as good as it gets. 
You want the good life? Jesus says this, the thief comes to lie, to kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus says, I wanna give you the good life. I wanna give you the good stuff. And good life and good stuff is not found in the car that you drive or the place that you live or the friends that you have. It's found in Jesus. And that is the place that you will find the lasting fulfillment that you need. If you're here today and there's never been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again, let me just challenge you today with this. Final thought and we're done. If you die in your sins without Jesus, you'll spend eternity separated from God and there are no second chances. The Bible says in Luke chapter 16, if you're taking notes, write down Luke 16 beside there. Go back and read it this week. The Bible says that there's a great gulf fixed between heaven and hell and you can't pass from one side to the other. The Bible doesn't speak of purgatory anywhere in the entire scripture. There's not a place where you can go and be purged of your sins and then go to heaven. There's one way to be forgiven of your sins and his name is Jesus. That's it, bottom line. And if you die in your sins, you'll be separated from God forever in a place called hell. And I'm saying this this morning because I love you and I don't wanna see you go there. The only hope that we have is Jesus. But if you will today say, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I do need forgiveness of my sins and I'm asking him to forgive me and save me. The Bible says you can be saved. This is not how to join our church. This is not how to, uh, to never have to uh, do anything bad for the rest of your life. This is about how you can live the forgiven life. And people sometimes say, well, I believe if I do this that I'll probably sin again tomorrow. I'd say you probably sin before the sun goes down today. It's not about living a perfect life from here on out. It's about living a forgiven life from here on out. That my sin, I'm still a sinner. I never get over that. I won't get over that until I draw my last breath. I'm gonna sin for the rest of my life. But my sin now is forgiven as opposed to being added to some account that I have to pay for later. So if you're here today and there's never been a time in your life where you put your faith and trust in Jesus, today is your day. For those of us that are children of God, what are you gonna do with Jesus? Did you just use him to get out of hell really quick and then just kind of uh, call on him when you need him or are you really gonna follow him? If you take a look uh, in uh, verse number 67, last verse, and we're done here this morning. 67, Jesus saith unto the 12, will you also go away? Everybody split when Jesus said, I'm, I'm tired of handing out free meals. Verse 68, and Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. <laughs> Jesus, where else are we gonna go? You got the good stuff. Jesus, where else are we gonna go? This is the good life. It doesn't matter that you're not handing out free meals to everybody. It doesn't matter that maybe you're not gonna heal everybody the way that you used to. We just want to follow you because this is where the good stuff is found. So what do you do with Jesus today? The choice is completely and totally up to you. But I would encourage you, put your faith in Jesus Christ as your savior today. And I promise you, he'll never disappoint you.